Jonathan Wethington, aka JW. Welcome to the show. It's great to have you, man. Hey, thanks for having me. All right, awesome. You know, you want to, I always like to kick it off by saying, you know, do you want to tell us a bit about yourself, how you got to where you are today, and what you're up to? Yeah, I mean, the the long short of it is, I've uh, I went to school uh, for degrees I don't use, uh, taught me how to <laughs> read really long documents, and I guess write okay and do a little bit of math and. I've worked retail and customer service pretty much my whole life. Um, and so for me, that customer connection has always been at the kind of the forefront of what I've done in my career, all the way from just, you know, associate all the way through store management and and, and things like that. And so um, I, I'm not a founder of Chuck and Check. Chuck and Check was founded by two of my friends. And I was actually yeah. a customer uh, that became eventually became CEO. And that happened over the course of several years, obviously. They uh, founded Chuck and Chuck in 2007. I was working at a business two doors down from it, and I just loved it immediately. Everybody was just kind, authentic. It was in a little beach town. It uh, Chuck and Chuck really started as as a dive bar that served great food and had um, I don't know just a great place to hang out. And so I, I um, became friends with the founders over time, and myself and and. One of the founders started another bar, which I ran for two years, and then I helped them build the second location in 2012. And this was all after I had come out of grad school and, and all yeah. that stuff and, and thought I wanted a, a big boy suit and tie job. And I realized very quickly that I did not, <laughs> not, not really a cultural fit for me. And so I went after I helped them build the second location, I went back into into retail management and had a great time. I've always loved retail. You know. Yeah. Many people are, are scared of it or, you know, you either got it or you don't. You're either, you know, a short termer or a long termer in retail, restaurant, customer service, because you figure out really quickly, hey, can I actually deal with the general public as my day to day? Is that something that I'm going to enjoy? Um, I'm a long termer. I love it. It's it's a lot of fun. And so helped them build a second location, went to work in retail management. And then they called me in February of 2014, the founders and said, hey, you want to come down for the weekend and hang out? So I did. Nice. They, they pitched me on this idea of we're thinking about franchising. Uh, we don't really know what it is, but we know that profitability wise and like concept wise, there's really not a whole lot like us. Um, we think you're a pretty smart guy. We don't know what we can pay you. And um, we actually don't even know the business model is going to work, meaning, hey, what if we get <laughs> into this and, and figure yeah. out this is not something we want to do? Uh, you know, it, it wasn't a hard sell by any stretch, but do you want to help us? And so I said, yeah, um, I would love to do that. And so I ended up, once they got their documents in order, I ended up resigning my position in June of 14 where I was working and I didn't yeah. move. I slept on the co-founder's couch for about a year. I stayed with some friends here for about six months and then slept on his couch for about a year, literally. And the it took off, uh, it worked. And then I was promoted to, I, I came in kind of without a title. Um, yeah. But then I was promoted to CEO in late 2014 uh, when I was 29. So, man, that's awesome! Like that's awesome. And I mean, you you got your stripes as well. I mean, the fact that like you slept on a couch for the guts of a year. I mean, that's like yeah. amazing. <laughs> and like you know, how many locations at the time was it? Just the one location? Just when they two. Actually so, in, just two. Yeah, we we just had two locations. We had our original location in Carolina Beach, North Carolina, which yeah. is this tiny, sleepy beach town 
And then we opened a second one about 25 minutes away in downtown Wilmington, North Carolina, which is a you know much larger metropolitan. So we we started to see market proof, and that that's really kind of what what uh, I guess empowered us uh, to move into new markets. And are, are the founders still there with you? Yep, yep. So the founders are still around. Um, Matt is is in the business day to day, and and he and I work closely, very closely every day. Sean is more of a more of a silent founder, um, still serves on the board, of course, and gives some oversight over certain things. But um, yeah. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I mean, like, because I, I like what I also find fascinating is like, obviously, you still have the founders who are there who are like still so hands on. And then you like coming in, titleless, just come in and help us make this business happen. And like, you're like, yeah, I'll do it. I, but I'm going to like live in your couch for a year and we're going to make this happen, like blood, sweat, tears. I guess does that that kind of energy and culture like rubs off on everyone who works in there? I'd say there's a pretty strong like ethic in that organization. I'm no question. Hearing that story. Yeah, no question. I think a big part of it is that the the three of us, the two founders and myself, we consider ourselves generalists, and so yep. you know we actually the two founders had no restaurant experience when they opened the first one. They just wanted to open a cool place where people would hang out. And I think whether it's naivety or just a change in culture, we just want to do what we want to do. And we we hire people based upon personality. We actually don't hire people a lot based upon experience. I mean, experience is great. But culturally speaking, I think you build great organizations when you hire based upon personality. And you don't necessarily let experts entirely be experts. You, you, you yeah. certainly there's there's that element to it. And you don't you don't take this approach of, you know, just cut them loose and let them do their thing. But you should be talking about vision. You should be talking about culture. You should actually you don't even have to talk about culture. We have the right culture internally. That culture is the sum of parts of the sum of internal parts and some of those things you cannot control. And so as long as you're dictating that, as long as you're a pleasant person, you know, you get up every day and go to work, you're motivating, you're funny you do things that make people want to work with you and work for you, everything else flushes out. It's so, not really, yeah. It's interesting. Cause you like, like number one thing is like hiring like personality. So like, you know what they say? It's like, it's hard to describe, but you know, when you see it, you know, so when like, you see it. Mm-hmm. like when you're, so when you're like, okay, you guys are at, what was the number of locations again? I have Eight, 18 new, locations. In the 18. Yeah. Okay. So, 18 locations. So you're talking about a couple hundred people here now. So yeah, I mean, we've like, got almost 600 employees from yeah. um, wide. So, yeah. So a couple hundred, like, like almost 600 employees. So this is interesting because it's like, you know, how do you like, do you guys like document what are there's the cultural norms that you're looking for in people? Or is it like the guys you've hired to run the restaurants, you trust them to go, that guy is like, fucking rock star so like we gotta hire this person now like and they their judgment on what makes that sort of rock star sort of speak is the person that comes into the org then like how do you because sure. i mean you've grown so much i mean 600 people it's just so many yeah people. there's there's an imparting of knowledge that happens there um yeah and we are franchised and so it makes it a little bit more challenging because us as a franchisor when we bring on franchisees a lot of the times we treat it like hiring them because the, yeah. the questions that we're asking them as a part of the onboarding process prior to them becoming a franchisee are very similar to the questions that I ask in an interview. And so, and and by the way, I don't ask bullshit interview questions. I actually want to get to know the person. Like, yeah, you know, like 
when I ask you what your weakness is, please, for fuck's sake, don't turn it into a strength. Like, tell me what you're not good at. I'll tell you what I'm not good at. Like, yeah. And and I want you to tell me what you're not good at so that I know from the get go, hey, such and such is is just doesn't have a strength here. This is this could be a potential hole or this is somewhere that we need to coach or this is somewhere that we need to develop or whatever it is. But we're, we're asking all of these things because we really want to get to know the person. So when we do that to a franchisee, when then they go to hire you know, a general manager, they're looking for some of those same things. So we don't necessarily dictate these cultural norms that happen in our restaurants. We yeah. are very, very hands-on. We are extremely people-driven. And I think that one of the things that makes us different than many other restaurant brands, many other brands, period, is the authentic nature of what we do, which is to say, we, we don't have spiels in our restaurants. We don't have scripts. We don't ask yeah. our servers to follow nine different points. We don't ask them to tell about specials. We don't ask them to um, do certain things. Did you do your five steps of service? Like we don't ask for any of that. Yeah. What we're asking for you is for you to be a pleasant human being to the people walking in the door and everything's going to work out okay. And yeah. so whenever we hire people, we bring on franchisees, they bring on general managers. There's this, there's this culture that surfaces, which is to say, if you are good enough to work here, that means you're a good person. You want to be yourself. You want to treat others well, and you like what you're doing. It's it's pretty simple. And if you don't, you're going to be a great employee at another business. It's just not a great fit here. It's interesting you say that because, you know, one of the things I hear again and again and again, and it's interesting in a good way, rather, I should say, sure, is sure. that, like, service could be taught. Like, so you can teach somebody how to use Absolutely. the register, but can you teach somebody to care? Can you teach somebody to smile? Right. Because I mean, a trash in the corner that needs to be bust, but that's not your job to bust it. Would you bust it anyway? Like, like, of course, you know. We lose this. We lose this benefit of the doubt when we hire people. Meaning, you know, I'm I'm 39. I've eaten at thousands of restaurants in my life. Thousands. Even if I didn't have restaurant industry experience at all, I actually think I would know how to wait a table. Like I've been through that mechanical process so many yeah. times. Would I know how to use their point of sale system? Probably not. Would I know, you know, where to get forks and knives and those things? I mean, I could probably figure it out. So mechanically speaking, we're talking about, I'm not going to, I'm not denigrating the job by saying it's not difficult. I'm saying yeah. it's very teachable. So the mechanical yeah. parts of the job are very teachable. What matters is the personality that shows up at the table. That's quite literally all that matters. Yeah. And so whenever we're hiring people and bringing them on, you're exactly right. Those mechanical, those mechanics of the job, the operational components of the job can be taught. This is where you do this. This is how you do this. Yeah. This is how you refill the ice machine. This is where you take the trash. You know, this is what happens when you set up a table. It's the other side of it that's hard. We're actually not, we are, of course, as a part of our general training, we're teaching a lot of those mechanics. But if yeah. you were to come to one of our new store opening training, what we're talking about far and away more than anything else is personality. We're asking yeah. people to read the table. And I'm specifically referring to servers and bartenders in this and saying, look, if, if two guys walk in on a Sunday at 1230 during football season, they're wearing jerseys and they come and belly up to the bar. They don't care about the fish special. They yeah, don't yeah, yeah. care, nor should you mention it. What should you say? Like we're asking them for active participation. What should you say? You should go up to them and say, what are we drinking guys? Yeah. And that should be your first interaction with them. 
And so we're asking people to read the table. We're asking them to read the bar. We're asking them to read other people. And that is exceptionally difficult. Some people, some people don't have it. Some yeah. people don't have it. I believe it's an innate characteristic in many people. And some people don't have it. I think it can be learned over time, but it all depends on the person. But that's interesting as well that you say, because that helps you understand who are the people you're hiring right. anyway. Like in the sense that you want the people who've got it innately versus not. So like when you think about like the people that you do hire, do you have to go through an enormous sort of hiring and first 90 days kind of program to like get a large enough amount of people to like come work that you would filter through those over the first 90 days to be like the ones that are going to stay versus they're not like, cause it yeah, seems and, to be, like your standards for personality are very high. Yeah. I think our standards for authenticity are very high. Or for authenticity, right? yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so, so bringing people in, like when we're doing a new location opening, we overhire, we overhire yeah. about, about 30% um, because we'll lose people at orientation night. When we come in and say, um, hey, there's no script to follow. You're going to lose some people because they're like, no, 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 I need a script. I need five yeah. steps of service. I need 10 things that I can check box. Like I need that. And there's nothing wrong with that, by the way. I think yeah, yeah. restaurant brands have been exceptionally um, successful in doing exactly that because yeah. they can they can normalize the experience so that when you walk into ABC brand in home, Omaha and you walk into ABC brand in Boston, they're exactly yeah. the same. You know exactly what to expect. We take a little bit different approach. The expectation is that you're going to have a great time in our Surf City location and yeah. our Naperville, Illinois location. You're going to have a great time. The culture might be slightly different. The experience might be slightly different, but you're going to say the same things when you leave there, which is I want to come back and I want to tell my friends. Yeah. And so we, yeah, we lose people, you know, right after orientation, you lose people just generally. I mean, sometimes employees just don't get along. And so yeah. people leave, like, we don't talk about that at all. Like that happens. Um, there's drama in every restaurant on earth. Um, even Chick-fil-A, like there's drama. Okay. People don't like one another and they leave jobs because they don't like the person that they're standing next to. And that's normal. Well, why, why, why would you say Chick-fil-A there out of every restaurant? Why did they come to mind as the example? So, yeah, I mean, they're the cream of the crop. We joke about it internally a lot. And, and even all the conferences that I attend and I, and I know uh, quite a few people that are in, yeah. you know, upper level over Chick-fil-A and it's, it's the joke, like you'll you'll go to a conference and sit down at a table and talk about restaurant best practices. And the qualifier statement is almost always, okay, excluding Chick-fil-A, who does this exceptionally well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, because the, everyone's first answer is like, okay, consistency of experience. Okay, excluding Chick-fil-A, who does this really well, right? So, no, it, yeah. But it sounds to me, you know, like it's okay to be rough around the edges because that is authentic in and of itself. And so you've gotten to 600 people, which is an extraordinary achievement, no matter what, what way you look at it. And so your culture has scales. You know what I mean? Like that, no like, like, and the authenticity, you're kind of living and breathing it. And I guess like, you know, are you able to track like, you know, the amount of people that come back twice in a month or like twice in a year? Like you track like sort of the returning customers, so to speak, or, you know, the loyalty of customers. We have some ability to do that. Believe it or not, yeah. we don't have a loyalty program. We don't have online ordering. Um, we do you don't no do online. No, we do no delivery whatsoever. Um, Interesting. You're so, like, the trend, man. I know. And that's our, that's the point. It's that, look, um, we believe that our experience, our food and our beverage is so good that you're yeah. going to get your ass up off the couch and you're going to come into our restaurants. No, and 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 we've been very successful at it. Like even during COVID, we didn't do we didn't do online ordering. We didn't do delivery. We we said, yep. hey, 
I know that during COVID, um, for me to spend more than 12 hours in the house was painful. And so we felt like we doubled down on curbside, which yeah. is to say, hey, pick up the phone. You know that those those seven numbers right there? Like pick up the phone and dial them and call us and a person will answer. This is incredibly unique. A person will answer and take your order over the phone and tell you how that. long it will be. And you can get in your car and drive 10 minutes to your nearest shuck and check. Who and knew? We'll you at the curb and we'll smile. It's crazy. We'll smile and we'll say, can't wait to see you again. If we actually feel that way. Yeah. So we, I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm so bullish on people and interactions and, and really authentic connections to people that, not that I don't believe in those things. I order DoorDash. Yeah. I do Grubhub. Yeah. I do all of that stuff. And I love technology and I love places that have online ordering. But if it's not in sync with your culture and yeah. it doesn't make sense for your in, in your customer in-store experience, then why implement it for the sake of implementation? Be yourself. Yeah, it's interesting you say that. I had uh, the CEO of uh, East Coast Subs on. And mm-hmm. they were like, you're saying like, you know, we're kind of like, we like to be second to market for like technology innovations. Like we want to see how like delay. So they were very late to delivery, like, um, and to online. And he was like, you know, the sub, the whole point of the sub is like the heat and you open it and it's like the wafting of the smell, you know, right. he's like, right. you know, we kind of give DoorDash and Uber Eats and all these things like a pass because we accept the food is kind of like not as good. Like it's a bit <laughs> like, it's right. like, a, do you know what I mean? Like, so nobody, no, I know it's, it's the same with seafood. Stranger. But the, the quality, the experience of your staff, and you were saying to me that like 2024 is like a huge year for them to like, if you come into the store, that how do we elevate that experience for you so much that you're willing to sit in here? Like how much better can the sub be in the store versus 20 minutes, half an hour on a new breed and a guy in a moped? You know what I mean? I think he was like Precisely. the wafting of the steam when you unwrap it. And I think a lot about that, like and that really, it was just reminding me very much of like sort of your philosophy here, which is like, the in-store experience is like, what are you coming for? It's like, you know, you're coming for the culture, you're coming for the beers, you're coming for a great time, you're coming for the seafood, you know, and it's all that. It's not just like the seafood kind of like, if you think of like delivery, it's like, it could be a nameless restaurant that sells seafood online. That's exactly you know right. I mean? The widget is not the experience. The widget yeah. has never been the experience. Now for some brands, the widget is the experience because you can get it quicker than anyone else. Um, because you know it's consistently consistent. Everything about it is going to be the same every time. And could I go somewhere else and get a better widget? Sure, I could. But I know if I get this one, it's going to be the exact same time as it was last time. So in that case, the widget, the thing, the item, is the experience. In our case, it is not. Certainly, our case, yes, we have, I mean, we serve amazing food and amazing drinks and those things, but it's all of those three things coalescing together, which really dictates what Chuck and Jack is. No, man, absolutely. And I think about that a lot, like, you know, when I like, especially for like, you know, kind of up and coming sort of brands like yourselves that are like, you know, less than like not traditional sort of. Yeah, sure. Casual or or whatever. It's like, you know, the experience of the culture of the restaurant is the value of the place in and of itself. You know what right. I mean? Like I said, to your point, I think the widgets is such a great way of thinking about it. Cause like, I think about that a lot is like, you know, you can divorce everything from themselves, 
That's right. And I think like, you know, I think because like I think in an era of ghost kitchens, it makes me way more cognizant of it. Like I saw a very funny TikTok recently or an Instagram reel. I can always you work. Sure. Whatever way. And it was uh, somebody was looking up on Uber Eats, like the address of the restaurants and the food that she was ordering from. And it was like all roads led back to Denny's, but it was like right, that's Denny's. right. And they've done an unbelievable job at Ghost Kitchen. Yeah, exactly. They're just crushing it. I mean, I can't yeah, see crushing it. Yeah. But like, what it does is it removes the essence of what any other brand is like on it. Because if you're like, this is the burrito store, this is the chicken wing store, this is the <laughs> whatever, exactly. you're kind of like itemizing everything. What's the point of having a brand? You know what I mean? It's like yeah, exactly. what's the point of the experience of it? It's like, oh, this restaurant doesn't exist. It's actually in the back of a Denny's as a ghost kitchen. You know, and, so, and, I think and I, that being said, there's a place for that. Like, I think that's totally. really cool. I've done it. Like, I mean, I've been, I've sat in my home like at 11:30 at night. I'm like, I should not order DoorDash right now, but I'm not getting off my ass to go out. And so I'm gonna. Well, I don't know what those kitchen brands are, but I'm gonna order from you know Willie's Wings, and Willie's Wings comes from the backside of one of those kitchens. And you know what? Willie's Wings was fine. I would order it yeah. again. Like, you know, it's not gonna blow me away. The widget was good enough. But yes, but it's, right. The widget was good enough to make me order it again, but it, it didn't blow me away. It was fine. You know, but you know what's interesting, though, I think as well on the inverse of this is that like lots and lots and lots of Europeans went through COVID that were 70 30 in store <laughs> online. And now it's 70 30 online in store. Uh -huh. And you were kind of like bucking that trend. Yeah. Which I just, I, I just say, like, I obviously you've run the analysis and economics right. and weighed it against the culture because like it's kind of funny you know like, i used to work in a thing called innovation consulting which is in and of itself a whole thing and sure. but we would always say like culture is never a line item on a pnl and it should be do you know what nope. i mean like and it's not yeah. there so it's like when you're like how do you like manage like sort of like the growth of the business when you're like constantly thinking of new stores new bills new buildings whichever way against like say the fact that online can offer lots of increased extra margin for you, but then at the same time, can decrease. Well, I mean, you tell me. You're the you're, you're the CEO. I'm, well, so I'm the one asking the question. I, I, I think I think um, I think you're right, but I think the runway is very very short and very very unforgiving. There okay. there's a concrete wall at the end of that runway, and that concrete wall is quickly approaching for people who depend far too much on online. Yeah. Here's here's why. If your product is like seafood or or like uh, East Coast subs that you were talking about or or whomever else, and it doesn't travel well, and not only are you depending upon your your the ordering, let's say the ordering platform comes in, the order dings on the tablet or whatever, it, it implements into your POS, and that spits out back to that customer, it's going to be 15 to 20 minutes. Well, that customer doesn't know that we have a full house. They don't know yeah. that we have a full house and it's not going to be 15 to 20 minutes. It's going to be 35 minutes before that food is yeah. ready. That customer's perception is already put off by 20 minutes. And so this I've done it. And so the second that minute 18 hits, I'm like, cool, two more minutes. Can't wait for that Where doorbell. To is right? my burrito. And then 22 <laughs> minutes later, what that customer doesn't know is that food just came out of the window. Oh, and yeah. by the way, Jimmy has been sitting there waiting for that food as a door dasher. And Jimmy is upset yeah. that he's had to wait 20 minutes longer than what his anticipated time is. Yeah. And so he picks up the food, he puts it in his car. He's got other food in there. 
the customer doesn't know. They're not the first stop. Yeah. And so by the time the customer gets that food, not only are they disappointed in DoorDash, they're super disappointed in Chuck and Jack. And so that customer's um, perception of our brand is that we can't get shit out on time. Yeah. It doesn't taste as good as everybody's talked about in the reviews. Yeah. I'm not going there. And so, so if their only exposure is that online platform, you're not giving yourself the best chance to succeed at the lifelong at, at the life for the life of the customer. When you have a customer in your restaurant, at your bar, yeah. at your table, a whole lot of shit can go wrong and you can correct it. When you have a yeah. customer that's sitting on their couch and is upset that their food is 23 minutes later than they expected it, you can do absolutely nothing about it. You have lost that customer and everything may go smoothly. Everything may go smoothly five or six times, but it takes one time for that person to say, and eh, that was my last time. I'm not going to do that again. Yeah. I mean, I guess, but like at the same time, I mean, you know, we talk about like guest experience and guest expectations a lot and like they've certainly evolved since COVID. I mean, sure. like, it's, a, it's, a, it's interesting because I love how adamant you are about the cultural side of maintaining the culture right. of authenticity and the culture of the experience, which is like, this is a dine-in experience, right. you know, and you scaled like franchises doing this without doing online, which is like, kind of like unbelievable. Like if I think about it, like, I mean, like, you know, it's like, Everyone's doing it, but I, you know, I think one of the things you said to me, but like, the, like you said about the online, sure. which is like, you're not in control of the platform and there's platform risk there. Right. And I don't think restaurants have no, realized this just yet in a way that say e-commerce vendors and Shopify have absolutely noticed or like sure. advertisers and Facebook, which is like platform risk is they can increase their price tomorrow. Right. And what are you gonna what are you gonna do? Like what are you gonna say, do about what, it? Right. what are you gonna do about it? And it's like I never thought about it as like you know, we've had this trend that's been pushing everybody online, but like is there gonna be like a like a almost like a pendulum that like there is you know what like right now, you seeing... like so um Brett Shulman, who founder of Zoe's Kitchen, uh yeah. CEO of Cava, uh, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant guy. Um, he came, he, uh, was in an article. It was right. It was at the first of the year. And I read and I was like, yes, you're, you, you fucking get it. And which he yeah. said, essentially turns out people care about experience. It turns out that people actually care about in-store experience. And I'm like, well, yeah, this is what we've been saying the whole time. And I know he understands that. And there's many other people in our industry that understand that, but there was this pendulum swung so far to this online, um, to this um, technology centric access to everything at all times. Yeah. And it took the personality away from everything that we were doing. And also all of a sudden the market became flooded. You had endless options. I mean, endless options for things, but there was no personality and culture attached to those options. And so what have you seen since then? The ghost kitchening, yeah, it was popular, but it ain't like it was last year. Yeah. And you look at some of the in-store experience and th that's not the first article that was out. There's these articles started popping up in NRN and several other publications about Q late Q3 last year in which it was saying, oh, my God, people actually want to have a good time in restaurants. That's okay. essentially the essence of all these articles. And I'm like, yeah, uh, 
like we're humans, right? We're yeah. humans. They're, my VP of, um, of marketing and creative, Darren, he says it all the time. People just want to people. And like we yeah. truly do. Like we desire that interaction, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, you desire to be around others in a casual environment. And do I think online and technology and delivery and all those things are important and are the way of the future of our restaurants? Of course. Yeah. But you're always going to have brands like us that are going to double down on the customer experience because at the end of the day, what matters is how people interact with one another. We could be serving anything. And if we maintain the same culture, we know people will return to our restaurants. I mean, I, 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 <laughs> I love that. I mean, that's fantastic. I have like so many thoughts on that. Like, I mean, like, you know, it is true like that you know we've kind of over indexed on technology and restaurants and over engineered and especially on the qsr side i mean you know i think it's almost like a meme to see people go to mcdonald's now and not know how to use the touch screen you know what i mean like i, think like, that, I hadn't walked into a mcdonald's in i don't know five years not for any reason there's just not one nearby me and, a burger. <laughs> and i was like i walked in the other morning i had to go to the doctor or something i was like oh i want something to drink i don't remember what it was and i walk in and there's no one at the counter i'm like what and I turn around and there's screens and I go to the screen. I'm like, I punch it in and it asks for my credit card. And so I pop it in. No problem. I was like, an hour. Okay. What do I do now? Yeah. Because it didn't spit out a receipt. It said, take the numbers. And I couldn't find one of the number placard things. And then this like nine year old walks over to me and they like picked it up in this like dramatic fashion and handed it to me. I'm like, <laughs> oh, okay, I got it. Cause you got to punch in your number into the screen or whatever. Like, yeah. I mean, it's like I think over-engineering the experience for technology because technology exists. But like you know, you have been able to benefit, from, say, curbside. So obviously, you sure. evolved. Like the did you have to do any structural changes to any of the restaurants to make curbside more effective, or did you have like large car parks that could make it happen? Or so at most of them, we had uh, you know pretty pretty good parking lots, pretty good areas yeah. to do that. I mean, we like we were pretty unapologetic over it. Honestly, like even in our stores that don't have out front parking. We were like, hey, if you call the store when you're like one minute away and describe your car, we'll literally run out the front door and stop traffic and give you the food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah like, yeah. you know, be unapologetic. <laughs> okay. I mean, if a person's going to put in the effort to come to one of our restaurants and then try to make that decision, oh, God, there's no place up front, you know, out front for me to pull up. Like, we're going to do whatever we can to make sure yeah. they get what they want. But as far as structural changes, not a whole lot. I mean, early COVID, when ev when no one knew what was going on, let's yeah. say like March 17th to like May 1st. Yeah, we set up, you know, um, like food tables, prep areas, like yeah. kind of towards the front door where we could hold things. Um, we had several places like bring in warming cabinets and things like that. Um, we it, it varied by restaurant, not all locations yeah. were the same. No, I think that's fair. I mean, because it's always interesting, you know, to me to hear, you know, like I totally understand, like with the online ordering aspect of things, that it's like, you know, not very like. I mean, it's reach their own on that. But obviously, there's been advances in the way like the restaurants are even designed, and I feel like, yeah, no question. I, I, I hear there's like an over-indexing of like technology across the board. You know, mm -hmm. it can be done to work well. Like somebody was telling me about, I think it was like a Shake Shack concept or something that would be like kiosks. Oh no, it wasn't. It was uh oh what was the name? Like I I've I'll figure I'll put the name in, in the in the notes after in the notes after this. Sure, but sure. like she's telling me that basically like they had like uh 
like a pizza factory kind of place that they were building. It's not actually the brand pizza factory, but it was sure. like a pizza thing. It was like a robot that would make the pizza. Yes. And you would go in and you could see the robot make the pizza. And then there are only hosts that and kiosks. So you would go and self-serve yourself at a kiosk to order your pizza that was made by a robot. But there were people to guide you and they were like, well, we think this is the right way to do whatever that is because at least you'll figure out how to use the iPad thing. Like I, I think about this stuff a lot. It's like I get it in one sense because it's like data. But then I'm like, if you think about data for your restaurant, it's like, what what are you learning about this? Like, are you like well, help me like itemize the data for me that is actually turning into results? Like, I'll tell you what I had on. I had on last week uh Kenny Hom, who's the CEO of Slapfish in California. Oh, another yeah. fish business. There you go. So I knew um and so Andrew, the, the founder, um, I I knew him not that well, uh, but I've you know I've chatted a few times. Yeah. Yeah, and he was on, and he was one of the most articulate people I've had on to discuss sure. like using data to uh -huh. actually understand how to run your business. You know, he was actually talking to me about a loyalty program and he was talking about how like they were able to like see like they had people coming like say four times, like two times a year, no, four times a year to two times a month. Right. By like using a loyalty program that actually made sense and like That's right. that was actually fair for people. And, and Slapfish is like, QSR. I've eaten at a Slapfish in LA. Yeah. Um, they do a great job. Um, they, you know, like I said, if it's brand appropriate, I think you should yeah. double down on it. Only if, only and if only you can do it extremely well. Yeah. Because the, the technology centered um, thing is, I don't know, if you can do it exceptionally well and it improves upon your guest delivery or your guest experience, yeah. you should absolutely do that. But if you can't do it exceptionally well, then man, like focus on the basis first. But it's interesting you say that because I always like, even in my job, I'm always like to the team, I was like, what are the analogs for this idea? Like mm -hmm. in like say retail, who's doing something that's pretty fucking awesome for like this or like when somebody is in like, I always use the Domino's app as an example yeah. of how we think about like right. indicating to a customer in onboarding where their status is. Because you know what it says? Like putting in the oven, taking it out of the oven, whatever. Domino's is a technology it. company that serves pizza. Yeah. And it's I like, mean, I and, and, I've heard, and that's not my quote. Please don't attribute that to me. This, <laughs> yeah. I actually heard the Domino's CEO say exactly that. We are a technology company that serves pizza. Well, like, you told that they say they're a pizza company. I mean, it's not like uh, the Snapchat founder calling themselves a camera company. And I'm like, mate, you're like an app. Let's get, let's be real here. It's like, do you know what I mean? Like, that's not right. lose sight of what we're doing here. Um, right. I get, I get vision. Um, but it makes me laugh. Like, I think like, you know, if you think about like, say the emerging trends within uh, hospitality now and say sure. for you, like, where do you see like, Say, if you look at, say, between now and, say, 2026, so we're talking about you know, within two years, like, if where do you see, like, this reaction to technology going, and where do you see your sort of role in that? Sure. I I, I am still so bullish on customer experience. I just believe that the more customer experience gets stripped away from other brands, we win more. Because the more personality that is taken away from ABC Restaurant Group or, or XYZ Restaurant Group, and they double down on this technology and they venture away from this in this consumer in-person experience that pushes people into our restaurants because people crave interaction. They crave interaction. There's a reason that the restaurant industry exists. Is our food better than something you could cook at home? Sometimes. Could you figure out how to cook our stuff at home and it tastes just the exact same? Let me be very clear. You absolutely could. However, there's a reason that you're willing to pay twice as much to dine out. 
It's because yeah. there's an element there of being satisfied by what's going on. It's the whole package. And so I'm not saying we would never adopt technology. That is definitely not the truth. And as a matter of fact, yeah, of course, fairly we're fairly tech centric, you know, behind the kitchen doors and those things. Yeah. But it's not customer facing. People come into our restaurants because they want to have a good time. Where yeah. I see the industry going, I I'm more inclined to agree with you know some of the folks that have come out and say, um, turns out the customer experience matters. And so this pendulum is going to swing back. It, it's going to it's swinging back right now. We're seeing it everywhere. Um, I mean, I've seen brands come out and say, we're going to focus on our in our guest in-person experience this year. And I'm like, what? why did you ever lose focus? Shouldn't that be your number one forefront? If people are willing to come in and spend more, why'd you ever lose focus on that? So I think uh, that yeah, I think that you can both adopt technology and improve your guest in-person experience. And, and look, the restaurant industry will survive. We're going to be fine. You're going to have early adopters, middle adopters, and no adopters. Um, yeah. It, just, I think the good brands will win. No, I think that's fair. And I think that's like an awesome sentiment to have. Like, I think like ultimately, like I actually, first of all, I think I'm going to call the episode, like turns out the customer experience matters. Like, I think okay. that's, the, I think <laughs> that's what it's going to be called on Spotify. It doesn't just right. me up. Uh, right. But it's so true. I mean, man, like the most obvious thing stares in the face every day of every job that we do. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know what is it, Oakham's razor or whatever the phrase that's is. Right. You know, the that's right. answer is usually like the, the, the whatever the phrase is. Right. The correct yeah. yeah. And I think about that in the sense, you know, like you know, folk, like um, it's almost like Steve Jobs. Sorry for bringing in like tech to this, you know, where no. it's like I'm know, a tech, I like tech. I just don't yeah. like it in front of people. Well, no, but I know I'm saying like in the sense that like I'm likening your uh, philosophy to like Steve oh, Jobs. Sure, sure. You know what I mean? In the sense that like they originally wanted an iPhone with a pen. And he was like, right. no, like, you know, like, and like <laughs> all the, the your fingers, like, God gave us five styles. Right, you know? right, and right. It's like the apps at the time were designed to look like a bookshelf for like audiobooks. You know what I mean? Because right. it was like, that's why, like, how humans would think to engage with it and designing right. the product to be so human centric and not losing sight of that. You know, whereas like I hear listening to you, it's like, you know, obviously, like, our entire laser focus is on that customer experience. Right. You know, it might be a bit rough around the edges, but it's authentic and they know what they're going to get when they come here, when they come back and they're going to come back again and again and again, which is like just a phenomenally simple. It's so like not simple. complicated. It's really not, you know, <laughs> like it's really not like, it's not hard. Like I will say this, the toughest part of my job is the only thing that I lose sleep over at night. It's not about development. It's not about uh, P&Ls. It's not about, um, I don't know, whatever bullshit um, that, that we're supposed to do as executives. It's are people having a good time in our restaurants and have we done everything we can to make sure that they're going to come back? Because that's all that matters. That's all that matters. Three things matter. Did the person enjoy their experience? Will they come back? And will they tell other people? That's all that matters. That's all that matters. I love how simple it is. I was going to say, usually the last question I ask people is, you know, what advice would you give your peers who are listening to this? So I guess we hash that. <laughs> right. I mean, to my peers or anyone who wants to, I guess, grow a business or, or um, expand or think about a second location or third location or 19th location or thousandth location, it's um, what do you do better than anyone else? And then double on that, double down on that, and then double down on it again. 
And pretty soon you'll see that that's why people come into your restaurant or come into your business. And people are willing to pay more just because you do that better than anyone else. You don't have to be everything to everyone. Yeah. And I love that. And I love the fact that it's coming from you, a self-proclaimed generalist, along with two founders for generalists, which like right. should also like, like, yeah, like, you know, I, I, I actually tell my team this the whole time. Like I said, one of my kids was like, not one of my kids, one of the young people that work for me was like, sure. oh, I don't know how to do a LinkedIn ad. And I was like, man, like, honestly, like just go on LinkedIn or go on YouTube. Like, I mean, somebody's made this, like, we oh, will make God, yeah. Zero one is better than zero. Just like let's get it done and let's move on to the next thing and we'll get better every week. And it's like that's the philosophy of the team now. It's like you I don't would be surprised. Don't right? I don't so know either. You would be surprised. I could probably open my Wikipedia app yeah. on my phone right now, and you'd be there would probably be 71 tabs open for shit I don't know how to do. Oh man, totally. I'm like, you know, genius steals, isn't that what they say? You know, right, right. <laughs> 